Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. another bfa friday it is me nat nat Wenchel. sometimes i terrorize twitter so y'all know me like that and i'm joined by someone who needs no introduction but is a friend of the show dr jason johnson a political contributor for msnbc my sometimes maybe occasional sparring partner we'll see what he is today jason thanks for coming back and joining me today I, I am happy. It's Christmas time. It's time, Nat. It's time for gifts and giving and openness. I will be giving of all hot takes and opinions today, but in a nice way. They'll all be wrapped well, even if I say something about Steph. <laughs> Mariah Carey has started singing, so it is that time of year, right? <laughs> for you? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> that, means you, that means you tune into the NBA season, if I remember. That was the metric for it. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, so, now I begin to care. And it moves up until Christmas Day, and then I start actually watching. So, yes, that's how it works. <laughs> how are you doing, though? How are you feeling? I, you know, it's it's been a fascinating week. I, I am not as disappointed as LeBron is in a former team that he loved. I'm not as angry as Russell Wilson's teammates. Uh, and I am not as arrogant as the University of Michigan coaches right now. So I'm, I'm a mixture of emotions. Uh, I'm sort of much more even keel uh, than the sports world. <laughs> okay, so you're just throwing a lot out there. So let's get into it. You and I were actually having a conversation not on air, but um, about yesterday's show, because um, we were talking about myself and Michael Holly, we were talking about the remarks that LeBron James made. Um, you know, he kind of challenged the media. You haven't been asking me questions about Jerry Jones and the picture that came out, not not covering it the same way and not just specifically the the media that was there and the audience, but just saying generally kind of making a statement that the media isn't giving um, the Jerry Jones situation, the same coverage as Kyrie Irving. And so, and then he walked out, he left. And Michael and I had a really lengthy discussion about it yesterday. Our audience was tapped in. We got a lot of comments and it's still going, the commentary. So I do actually want you to weigh in a little bit on this because you said you didn't agree with either me or Michael fully. So I'd love to know your thoughts on the situation. First off, I was highly disappointed in LeBron James that when he got up and left, he didn't have a little purse or a handbag. 
Because, you know, oh, that's gosh. the meme. Le- when LeBron walks out, he's got to have a little purse or a handbag. He's got to be wearing shorts. So, extremely disappointed. Just just, just for presentation's sake uh, on LeBron's if behalf. If you know, well, you this, know this what is that thing that is and, and I, Exactly. If you're real <laughs> NBA, then you, you know that reference. Um, so, here's the thing. It, here's my, my general reaction to first the picture right and then lebron james i I, you know i'm going to semi quote a a great colleague of mine at the griot uh, michael harriet who talked about the fact that we can dispense with any notions uh that jerry jones didn't know what he was doing right he knew what he was doing he knew why he was there his own coach told him not to be there everybody in the community knew (coughs) excuse me everybody in the community knew the school was being integrated. Uh, there were people standing in the way. He was an active participant in preventing kids who look like him from going to school 60 years ago. We know that. That's not in question. I don't care what Jerry Jones has to say about that. So the secondary thing for me is why do we care? And, and, I, and I say this, I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to be sort of contrarian here. But, you know, there's no such thing as ethical consumption in capitalism, right? Like, you're, you're buying something that was probably made in an unethical system. And there's no such thing as ethical or racially peaceful consumption of the NFL. I could go through a whole lot of these owners who are just as bad as Donald Trump. I could go through a lot of owners who are just as bad as what we've seen Jerry Jones do 60 years ago or things he's done today. So my question is always, okay, so Jerry Jones was a racist when he was 15. Jerry Jones might be a racist today. I don't know. But is it going to change anything? Is he going to lose his team? Is anyone going to boycott him? Is Dak Prescott going to say anything? Is Zeke going to say anything? No, no, no. And the answer is no, right? Jerry Jones could wake up tomorrow, go on national television with a picture of Colin Kaepernick and tear it in half right? Like like that one singer did back in the 90s, and people are still going to watch the game. So I always feel like if we're going to highlight these issues of the bigotry, sexism, and problematic behavior of NFL players or owners, it has to be attached to a consequence. Otherwise, it's a pointless conversation. So that's the first thing. The second thing, we can unpack that, is LeBron James's comment. LeBron was right. And, and if the press that was in the room had any ethics or consistency to what they were talking about, there was a simple response. They could have simply said, well, LeBron, Kyrie is a former teammate. He's a basketball player. You're the elder statesman of basketball. That's why we ask you about Kyrie, and we don't necessarily ask you about the NBA, right? That could have the NFL. That could have been a reasonable response. But let's be honest. It's not that. It's the same thing that you see in politics, that for 35 years, any African-American man or woman on television had to answer for, uh, uh, for any black person's behavior one way or another. You know, if you were black on TV in the early 2000s, you, were you at the Million Man March? What do you think of Louis Farrakhan? So basically, LeBron James is highlighting the fact that black people are always being told to account for the behavior of other black people, while white folks, oftentimes in media, can engage in terrible behavior and they're seen as individuals and no one else is held accountable. Absolutely. Um, and also, his question was rhetorical, right? Like, it really wasn't about whether the media asked him a question. He didn't want someone to ask him a question. And I agree with you. Like, like I think people were getting lost in the discussion of why would, why would he be asked a question about Jerry Jones or, like, whether he is or isn't racist? Like, I, like it doesn't matter to me. Um, I don't think it matters. It's not something we're ever going to get him to admit or say on the record. Like, some people are going to believe he is. Some people aren't. Um, But when you say, like, there's not going to be any consequences, 
um, or like really we shouldn't be talking about it unless there's a consequence. Do you think there is some kind of consequence that's realistic that someone like Jerry Jones should face? And if people want him to face consequences, like what could that be? No, no. And this, and this is where I bring in, I got to be honest, other people who've commented on this and other public figures who've commented on this, whether that's Stephen A. Smith, whether it's Jason Williams or other people who've written about it. The fact of the matter is, the only consequence that Jerry Jones potentially faces is someone asks him a question. He's been answer, asked a question and he answered it. That's it. That is the only consequence he's facing. Now, now you, you, you have commentators like Smith who will come forward and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's going through. No, all he's being done is asking a question. I mean, obviously, look, if you, if you want to put on the armor of God and the bulletproof vest of Stephen from Django and jump out in front of these owners whenever you want to, feel free to do so, right? But for the most part, most of us in media understand that a billionaire owner simply being asked a question about his behavior isn't a consequence. The league isn't going to make him face any consequences, right? I mean, Dan Snyder still got his team. Jim Ursay still has Absolutely. his team. And those are the stories that we know about. So, but what so I'm no saying, one's is going there, to face any consequences. They're not going to, but is there something that we can do to make them face a consequence? And when I say we, I mean, is there something the media can do? Is there something the people can, is there something that we can force the hand so there is some consequence that he faces? The only thing that can actually be done is if somebody wanted to ask Jerry Jones a question on a regular basis, not about what he did in a black and white sepia colored photo, right, from 70 years ago. You would ask him about what he's doing now. But we already know the answer to what we've done now. We already know it's one of the few teams in the league to never have an African-American head coach. We already know that it's a family-run business that hasn't had a number of prominent African-American executives despite having very prominent Hall of Fame players who have been on and off of that team. We, we, we don't even, I mean, Jerry Jones has never even pretended he's going to hire Dion, right? And Dion right. is like a fantastic coach. So I don't see, I, I, you know, you can force pressure on people but the only thing that matters to individuals like Jerry Jones and people at that level of wealth is if you either affect their money or their ownership. And those are things that the press itself cannot necessarily affect. The fans can, the league can, but again, if we have a league where on Saturday a guy who was credibly accused by over 20-something women of sexual assault is about to start for an NFL franchise and he's not been stopped, you really think people are going to put pressure on a team owner of one of the most popular teams in America for something that he did 70 years ago whose behavior has more or less probably continued for the last 60 or 70 years? I say next to nil. I, I don't like like we could try, but I don't see it going anywhere. And that's one of the things that I think I, I, I'm I'm more bothered by the, the disingenuous way in which we have some of these conversations rather than acknowledging the cognitive dissonance that we can enjoy the performance on the field while also acknowledging, just like we do with FIFA, that the organization that puts that product on the field is incredibly problematic and always has been and probably always will be. Yeah, I mean, um, you raise a point and Claren we had Clarence Hill Jr. on the show earlier this week and he was like, and he said that Jerry Jones is a capitalist. And I thought that was interesting, but I, I, I don't think capitalism and, and racism are mutually exclusive. And so I, I think they sort of go hand in hand, but <laughs> <laughs> I think so, but I mean, yeah. They, they yeah. are, they, they, they're, they're absolutely connected. I mean, this is, Nat, this is what I was saying. Like, it's, it's very funny. Americans can, can watch uh, 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 you can watch all sorts of analysis 
of what's wrong with uh, FIFA. We can say, oh my gosh, look at FIFA. They're corrupt. They're terrible people. Be like, it's not like Americans don't have the ability to understand the problematic things about NFL owners and how the league operates. We just don't care because we like the entertainment. And, and, and I think that sometimes it's sort of that comment, as you mentioned, like, well, he's a capitalist. Yeah, capitalism, it's not just that these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can't have capitalism without racism. You can't because it's based on extracting labor from people who you don't see as being worthy of being able to fully appreciate the benefits. I don't want to preach, okay? But it's based preach, on preach. extracting labor from people who you don't think deserve to have the full benefits of that labor, which is exactly what most professional sports is. So why are we shocked by this? I mean, to say he's a capitalist is the same thing as saying, hey, the sun shines every day. The entire league is based on taking people who have been systematically oppressed and kept out of the economic system and only used for their bodily labor to make someone else rich. We enjoy it, but we can't pretend that that's not how it's made. If these leagues were based ethically, then people would be getting paid in college and be paid in high school and wouldn't go to segregated elementary schools, which is what leads them to this system anyway. Come on, y'all. <laughs> like, like, I just think Jerry Jones is a result of a system and not necessarily the first place that we should be criticizing that system. Okay. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking us to church on a Friday and not Sunday, but we are here to preach. We're here to talk about things. So you and I have so much more that we need to get into. But before we leave the NFL, I mean, what do you think? I mean, this story is probably just, uh, you know, LeBron sort of resurfaced it, but so much happened yesterday that we are going to get into that. It's kind of not even the top news story anymore, but what do you think is going to come of it? Like his sort of challenge to the media. Do you think there'll be any more stories, anything else that will come up? Do you th expect that we'll hear any more from um, Jerry Jones? Dak, Dak had a response. Did you see it? Did you see his response? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I here's here's what I think, honestly, Nat. It's not going to happen with Jerry Jones, but we had an instance of this was it four or five years ago in Virginia where you had the governor uh, at the time Northam get caught with a picture of him in blackface right back in the early 80s. He's like, oh, I don't have any more of those. And then there's like three more <laughs> that other people with blackface. I think there is probably an entrepreneurial reporter out there right now looking for this kind of information about other owners. Now that may turn into a story. I don't think this ends as far as looking at the past and the backgrounds of some of these ownership groups. I do think it ends with Jerry Jones because the man is essentially Teflon. And like I said, unless there's a consequence, and unless he says something egregious, like, that's right, I'm glad I kept the black people from attending that in high school, which is something I doubt he agrees with today. Um, I don't see it, I, the story's not gonna continue with him, we'll continue with other owners. Yeah, you know, Dax comments, he, you know, mentioned that he's biracial and he, you know, ex, you know, extends grace, tries to extend grace. Um, but he also, you know, talked about kind of looking at people's actions and like what they do now. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's why it's so funny to me, the grace that I see some wanting to extend Jerry Jones, because it's like, have you looked at his actions? Did you see his response to Cap? Um, do you see the political campaigns he's donated to? I mean, what like what are we <laughs> what are we doing, people? Like he was a big supporter of Trump. So, you know, it's like I just don't understand um this grace that people want to extend him, but we we we've talked about this enough. So I, I don't have any more to say on Jerry Jones. I don't I'll, I'll say I'll say this quick, Nat. 
it ain't grace. It's called a paycheck, right? Dak works for the guy. I don't expect anybody exactly. to have full throated criticism for the person who signs their checks. Just like when the Iranian, uh, uh, when the Iranian journalist asked Taylor, who's the captain of the U.S. state team, hey, what do you think about racism in America? He works for America. He ain't gonna say nothing critical. I don't expect anything enlightened from Dak Prescott or anybody who's part of the extended La Mafia Cowboys family because they still owe their power, their credit credibility, their access to the screen by having access to that team. So you're not going to hear no real criticism from anybody who's ever worn that star. Excellent point that. Yeah, it's like, OK, I don't expect more from Dak because like he works for him. But excellent point. Thanks for pointing that out. Talk to Jason, one of my faves. Today you're being good. I like that. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to break and come now. back and talk about some more. <laughs> Since the last time I was here. <laughs> Since the last time I was here, Mr. Walker has been talking about issues that are of great importance to the people of Georgia. Like whether it's better to be a vampire or a werewolf. This is a debate that I must confess I once had myself. When I was seven. Then I grew up. In case you're wondering, by the way, Mr. Walker decided he wanted to be a werewolf, which is great. As far as I'm concerned, he can be anything he wants to be, except for a United States senator. Ah, he's still so good at this. He's so good at this. <laughs> Oh my god. Obama got bars. He really does. He does. Like like, like he could he could he could Yeah, yeah. He's he got he got bars. He could he could he could go on that old uh the old Nick Cannon show where they would just your mama just go back and forth. He's he's Obama's got that skill. He really does. And so he's one of the best people you can have campaigning for you. No shock that he that he is. But um what's your 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 thoughts on the temperature like of this race right now and, and what the likely outcome is going to be. Well, so I have to start with this, Nat. I got to ask you this question since, you know, we're Gen Xers or millennials or whatever we may be. Were you team Daniel. Edward or team Jacob? Because, you know, this whole... <laughs> I mean, you know, this whole conversation of vampires versus werewolves, I just have to know where you're coming from on this. Team Jake or whatever. I got to know. Which one? Which one? I'm the vampire. <laughs> I'm the vampire. That was that's Edward. Ed <laughs> yeah. Edward, right? That's Edward. Obviously, not a huge Twilight fan when you were in junior <laughs> high. I'm picking this up. Um, yes. <laughs> here's the thing. I, I, I think... It, it it says something. It says something about the nature of this runoff race in Georgia, right? Which is the last election of 2022 that we have to care about. Although there's apparently a recount that's happening in Colorado with with uh, uh, Lauren Boebert and her challenger. That the weekend beforehand, it's not a conversation about judges or taxes or policy or Biden's agenda. We're talking about the fact that the Republican candidate has been dancing around on stage, all up in the videos, all up on stage, talking about vampires and werewolves instead of how he'll actually do his job. Like, that's that's the story. And that speaks to what's happening in Georgia right now. You have a large group of people who are going to vote for Raphael Warnock, 
who was in the lead last time because he's at least a competent representative of the needs of the people. And then you have a lot of other people who are voting for a man who quite fairly can not only not count how many children he has, who not only has a history of violence against women, who not only can't keep track of how many children he has aborted, who not only has showed himself to be thoroughly incapable of stringing together three and a half sentences as his life depended on it, but also a man who routinely associates himself with dangerous policies. So, you know, I, I suspect that Raphael Warnock is going to end up winning, uh, even though you still have voter suppression in the state. But it is a dangerous, dangerous sign that in the state of Georgia, there are still these two million people who think that the man who is seriously debating werewolves, bulls, vampires could still be the representative of their state. Well, I was going to say, all of these qualifications that you listed for Herschel Walker, and yet <laughs> Bill was able to force a runoff <laughs> and, of course, won, like, the white evangelical vote. So, I mean, you just always got to worry about a place like Georgia, you know? So I, I won't be content until the race is over and I know that, you know, Warnock has actually won. I mean, now I'll be down there, and I think there's something, and I, I always think this is important to say. I'm going to be down there covering it for, for MSNBC. I've paid a lot of attention to those campaigns, and, and Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock, all the people who are running. This is, I think, a critical thing that I don't want anybody to ever forget about this race. As silly as this may seem, right, I think there's a lot of people, just like with sports, right, people are like, ah, can't believe, you know, I could do what LeBron does. No, you can't do what LeBron does, not physically and, and not intellectually. That, being a basketball player is very hard. Being a coach is very hard. Being a football player is hard. Being a, a soccer player is hard. People seem to think that being a senator is easy. Like, they think you just go and kiss babies and, and, and use ribbons to open up what used to be shopping malls. No. Like, have you ever tried to read legislation? It's complicated. Like, you actually have to be a smart person. And I know there's this tendency by some people on the right to love former athletes, right? Oh, whether it's Herschel Walker or Tommy Tuberville. I'm telling you, I don't think it's indicative of how all athletes are, but I don't trust Tommy Tuberville to read the instructions on the back of a VCR from 1978, let alone figure out what actual legislation is. And if I don't think Tommy Tuberville is smart, and he used to actually coach, which takes some skills, how anybody could think that Herschel Walker is up for this task, clearly, clearly they are smoking something that is now legal in about 47 states. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's remarkable, but they put out, the, the Republican Party put out a lot of candidates with interesting <laughs> backgrounds and characters. Candidates, and, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what was the strategy behind that? Like, I mean, it... Look, there's so many places I can go with this because I still always love your, um, you know, um, the polls. And go to all comment. of them. Go to but... all of them. I'll let you drive. I'll let you drive. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying, like, is it, is it because of the ineffectiveness of, let me not say ineffectiveness, but maybe the lack of reliability of polling these days, why they were not aware that some of these candidates were just not good? No, no. So as 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 Holly and Michael know that I always joke, I always say, hey, these polls ain't loyal, right? Like right. there's there's some inconsistency and lack of reliability in polling. But it's not the polling is wrong or bad. It's just called arrogance, right? Like imagine it in a sports context of like you really think you know, we always talk about in football any given Sunday, one team can beat another, right? But 
at the end of the season, a lot of times you'll have a team that says, you know what? We already think we're going to make the playoffs. We think we're set. I'm not even going to play my starters this week. That's what a lot of Republicans in the Republican House and Senate did this year. They're like, we don't really have to play our starters. We don't have to recruit the best candidates. Joe Biden is unpopular. His popularity is under 50%. People don't necessarily like Vice President Harris. The economy is not doing great. We're still dealing with COVID. We've still got mass shootings going on in this country. Gas prices are going up. They thought that they could put out anybody and still end up winning because history suggests that you can basically put out a cheese sandwich and still win in the midterm elections. But young people in particular in this country said, no, we're kind of unhappy with that ending abortion thing and you guys putting guns in the hands of everybody who wants to shoot up nightclubs, and it didn't work. So, Nat, it wasn't that they weren't reading the polls. They were reading history, and the polls had something else to say. Yeah, so... I'm just curious because, well, actually, I don't know because we've had you on since, but what were your thoughts? I didn't, I've never gotten them, I don't think, on the night, like on election night. Were you surprised by the results, how it went for like the Dems and the Republicans, or was that what you were expecting? No, no, I wasn't surprised that night because I no longer had any expectations, right? <laughs> like, okay. like the, the polling was so unreliable and so inconsistent. The two or three days heading in, there was some stuff I didn't believe. I never thought Dr. Oz was going to win. Like, I, I didn't think that was going to be the case. I kind of had an idea that that Walker and Warnock would probably go to a runoff. But nationally, no. I think there's sometimes, and I am, I am a trained political science professor, but sometimes you just got you to you gotta let them know that you don't know. So I was out of the prediction business about a week before the election. So what happened while it's unprecedented, we haven't seen some versions of this in almost 100 years where the, the first-term president not only gained seats uh, in the Senate, but also flipped some state houses and everything else like that. It was as likely to me as anything else at that point, because I thought the numbers were all over the place. So I live in a state that um, is being blamed for the Democrats losing the, the House, but um, just as a New Yorker, I'm just... <laughs> wondering what do you think about what's going on in new york because i mean i've been like listen y'all new york is really kind of more like purple or you know outside of the city um so i just yeah i'm a little nervous about what's happening in new york and what what are your thoughts on what's happening in the state and what the party needs what the democratic party needs to do there this, this is what's kind of funny about that. And I always say this to people because, like, I'm, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm, I'm a patriot. I care about my country. It's where all my stuff is and where I pay taxes. Here's the thing. Most people will tell you, New Yorkers will tell you, that the state's always been purple, right? In, in America, the whole red state, blue state thing is kind of a, a, a lazy heuristic. It's like a shortcut that people have come up with, kind of like saying momentum in a football or basketball game. It's not real. You can't really record it. Most states that are blue are only about 10 to 15% blue. Most states that are red are only 12 to 15% red, right? Like, they're still, even in a red state like Alabama, you still got 37% of the population that votes for the Democrat for president. So New York has always been that way. What you end up having, though, is occasionally New Yorkers, if we talk about the city in particular, they tend to like some tough guy attitude nonsense, which is where you end up with mayors like Eric Adams, who seems content on giving more money to police officers because he's a former officer himself, and all sorts of problems that stem from that. So I, I, I think Democrats need to reevaluate what progressive values are in that state rather than always trying to compromise with people who sound cool but don't necessarily get the job. Hmm.
Okay. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on momentum not being real in sports, but I won't, <laughs> I won't challenge. It's no, not it's real. Come on. It's very real. No, th no, there's no, no, no. Momentum what is as real as Santa Claus, the, the Tooth Fairy, and and, 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 and and dagger shots. It's not real. It sounds cool, but it's not real. Give, give me a game that was won by momentum. What was the game won by momentum? The Super Bowl, the one where they Can't had like one. The, the, lights, the, lights that, the lights that went out, whatever went out and the game was stopped for how many minutes was that? Wasn't that like recently? There you go, Ravens. No, Ravens, that was the Super 49ers. Bowl. That was the Super Bowl with the 49ers and the Ravens. That yeah. wasn't a momentum issue. That was called the lights went out. That ain't momentum. It's not, look, look, people say momentum. It's like, oh, and, and in particular, your favorite team, the Golden State Warriors, are told to be momentum killers, right? Because Clay and Steph will start hitting three-point shots, et cetera, et cetera. That ain't momentum. It's just how a game is played. Momentum is always something that we retroactively talk about in sports. You can be passionate, you can be moving, but the momentum doesn't do anything if you're not executing. I, I just think I think it's one of those fantasy things. It's kind of like the team that gets hot in the playoffs is the team that makes it to the Super Bowl. That's happened twice. There have been two wild cards in the last 25 years that actually ended up making the Super Bowl, but now it's all momentum in the playoffs. It ain't true. Steph Curry hits great three-pointers all the time. It's all he can do because he can't defend anyone. So what does that have to do with momentum? That's just a skill set issue. It was wishful thinking on my part to think that we could get through the whole show without disagreeing. <laughs> momentum is absolutely real. <laughs> Coaches call timeouts. It interrupts momentum when a team starts to go on a run. What are you saying right now, Dr. Jason? No, right. no, it's it's really it's it's really not real. Like I I've I have watched teams. I mean, we, we've both watched teams throughout our lives and someone says that it's a momentum issue. But if you go back and ask it, because depending on how the game is won, did it mean the momentum petered out? The momentum continued? How do you quantify momentum, right? And I'm not even a full analytics guy, but how do you quantify momentum? Because a great play happens? How many times has momentum shifted because there's an amazing turnover and the other team fails to score? Does that mean momentum ended? Does that mean the other team is demoralized? I, I, I don't buy it. Right. I mean, I watched the Sacramento Kings play the Lakers for years. Sacramento Kings used to be my team, my team. And people always say, oh, guys, they lost momentum against the Lakers. No, they got beat by the Lakers because they weren't mentally tough because they would get angry and they would argue with the refs. That's not a momentum issue. That's a mental discipline issue. That's not momentum. The big Mo is a big O, zero, non-existent, zip zero, stingy with De Niro. It's not a thing. I think the Kings fan base has maybe some valid reasons to, to question that um, thought, but okay. Um, I'm just There's that. Gonna... <laughs> there were other yeah. things afoot. <laughs> yes, there were. So who are you a fan of now? Because um, I know you're a fan of LeBron, but who are you a fan of now? What team? I am a, I, I am a fan of LeBron. I am supportive of the Lakers as a staff label and an organization, at least while he is still there. I am searching, quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ronin. I am searching for a new team because as LeBron ages his way out, I have to find another squad that I'm particularly passionate about. I used to like the Cavs. I used to like the Heat. I used to like the 76ers, but I haven't found a team that has a player that I can actually like grow and watch for a couple years. I'm still stick and stay with my Seahawks, even though I know that they're going to be perennial non-playoff contenders for the next couple of years. But an NBA team is hard. And rooting for NBA teams that don't have Hall of Famers is always a waste of time because you know they ain't never going to make the finals. All right. We'll be back 
<laughs> Me and Dr. Jason. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, we're back. Jason, I know sometimes that uh, Michael Holly likes to do kind of like a little rapid fire with you. I'm not going to quite do the same thing, but but I want to get into a number of stories that have been trending on Black Twitter, NBA Twitter. <laughs> Twitter was lively. Social media has been lively the last couple of days. So Very. I want to get your... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's not really sports stuff to talk about. We need to talk about what is going on because there's just so much. And we're not going to get to it all, but I want to get through as many as I can and see what your thoughts are on some of them. Is that cool? Does that work for you? That sounds okay. great. I'm going to slip in some sports anyway, so that works great. <laughs> so last night, and I really, he is someone that I don't want to talk about. In your feed, you sort of pose a question now that, you know, the person who shall not be named, people referred to him as a genius at one time, has been suspended from Twitter. Can we stop talking about anti-Semitism and racism? But he set Twitter ablaze last night. Like, he just put out so much <laughs> that it was impossible, impossible to ignore. And I don't want to make light of some of the very harmful things that came out yesterday. Um, you know, we know he appeared on Alex Jones. I'm not going to get into that because I think we all know it's abhorrent. Like no one here is trying to defend his actions or anything he was saying, but he just put out so much. He's like, I'm going out with a blaze and he just said some stuff. So <laughs> he said some stuff that got NBA Twitter talking and I don't, you know, I don't want to harp too much on people's social lives, but, um, he said that his, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, and <laughs> I, I, I know, and you know that Cliff Paul is going to make an appearance sometime soon <laughs> to explain what his twin might have been doing at a certain residence. That's all I know. That's all I know. I, I don't know if you can trust what what anything that the person who shall not be named has to say, but I will tell you the internet black Twitter sleuths who after that particular statement from that particular shoe selling rapper suggested that he had caught Chris Paul uh, in an inappropriate interaction with his wife. We don't know if that's true or not. We don't know if any of these right. allegations are true. We want to be very clear about that. But we also want to be clear about the fact that then you have people looking back and saying, well, why is it when Drake was having a beef with Ye that he was dressed in Chris Paul jerseys with all of his friends in the video. Did Drake know about this at some point? I will tell you this. Michael Bennett wrote a great book several years ago called Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. He wrote it with Dave Zirin. It's one of my favorite sports books to read. And in the book, Michael Bennett said, sports are basically just soap operas for men. Guys like mess too. <laughs> and this is that. mess. 
Women like mess, men like mess, and that's what this is. It's just mess. It's just mess. Listen, it was perfect, and I hate it because I don't like. Look again, we we don't know that it's true, but it's just the perfect kind of um, thing for for Twitter and for social media. We got some great memes, tweets. You know, um, Black Twitter will laugh and make anything funny. So it was an epic night. Yes, um, it was an epic night, and I must say, his very last tweet. <laughs> His very last tweet of the night that he said he wanted to be known for his last tweet, the picture of a certain new owner of Twitter jumping off of a, a what, like in, on, into the water? Was it off of a boat? Um, allegedly, that's not the reason why he was suspended from Twitter, but that picture had me dying. I was like, you need a little sunshine. So it was just a very, it was a crazy night. And he definitely like had all of social media, Instagram, Twitter, every everyone talking about it and making jokes. That is that is victory. Look, let me tell you something about about what people like him do. If there's one thing that he has mastered, it's making himself the focus of attention. I hear nobody talking about his music. I don't hear nobody talking about his shoes. But yeah. if he can draw attention to himself, that is part of his success. I personally and professionally, I don't care much about his political statements. It's offensive. It's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. I, like you, have probably had numerous conversations uh, with African-American friends and social people who have opinions about what he has said that we find problematic. But in the grand scheme of things, a neo-Nazi fraternizing, self-hating, former rapping shoe salesman's opinions about politics is not something that I care to hear anything about. I find him to be about as substantive in politics as Herschel Walker without nearly as many allusions to vampires. Absolutely. All right. So we'll move on and stop giving him even this little bit of attention, even though we're laughing at him. Um, <laughs> um, so another story that was <coughs> trending, I don't know if you saw it, or at least it was, maybe it wasn't trending, but it was pretty big topic. Um, it was the Royals were at uh, the Celtics game recently. And um, we have some um, commentary from the coach of the Celtics and Jalen Brown, like they were asked about, you know, the royal family being there and, you know, if they cared essentially or what did you think? And they expressed that they really didn't care. <laughs> it, it wasn't something that can, you know, Jalen said it was a regular game. It was a regular game, which I think is fine. But I guess for me, I was curious. And it could be that Jalen was just like really caught up in the game, really doesn't care. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But Jalen is also someone who's demonstrated that he's, He's 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 informed, you know, he follows certain things, right? I don't want to say that, you know, like I don't want to I don't I don't know him personally, so I don't want to say what he knows or doesn't know. But right. I I felt like there could have maybe been more behind it, but again, this is me just completely guessing. So I don't want to to put that on him. But what I will say, what annoyed me, what annoyed me is that I'm like, why are they even asking? Why are they even asking these questions? And like, do people really understand the history of the British monarchy? Because why do you think <laughs> that we should be happy or excited to be in their presence? So here's some sound. That's from the coach. Do we have the sound? Okay, there we go. Joseph? <laughs> The Prince and Princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. <laughs> All right, so it wasn't, that wasn't what Jalen said, but we heard what the coach said, but it was just like, 
why is there so much importance that the media one is placing on them and then two why do they think we care i don't care about the royal family like not even a little bit so look the only royals that most nba players and probably most black people care about is in a purple bag, right? Like that's the only world probably makes a difference to us one way or another. Yeah, like like nobody really cares. And and if you did a Venn diagram uh, of of people who care about the NBA and people who can even name Kate and William, like it's going to be two separate circles. It's going to be like my glasses. They they may be connected by a thin line, and that's only to hold them together for the chart. Like nobody nobody cares, right? And I'm not mad that the question was asked, hey, journalists have to make a living and maybe they could get a hot quote out of it one way or another. But it's not as if the NBA is about to expand to England. And and one thing that I think is kind of interesting, honestly, Nat, is that for a lot of sports that are played in this country, right, we we have sports here that aren't played in other places. We have our American version of football. Basketball was invented in the United States. So it's not as if it's not that like they're golfers where they could say, hey, well, you know what? This goes all the way back to the Irish and the British and the Scottish and everything else like that. There's no connection between the sport and the Royals one way or another. And quite frankly, had they simply shown up and, and worn baseball caps that said Celtics one way or another, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between them and anybody else. The only thing that I noticed is that Kate looked really awkward when she was clapping and maybe she was deeply, deeply uncomfortable to be in a place that at one point had kicked her country out, whole Boston Tea Party thing. But yeah, I, I, I'm not shocked by it. And, I, and I'm not someone who's particularly moved positively or negatively by the royal family that lives there or the royal family that escaped to the United States. Yeah. Uh, let's stick with the Celtics, though, because Nia Long had some recent comments um, <laughs> about the Celtics organization. Did you hear about them or do you need me to tell you what she said? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, no, no, no. I read exactly what she had to say. Yes. Yes. OK, but let's yes. let's let the audience know, because uh, she basically, you know, I'm summarizing again. I'm paraphrasing here. But, you know, she basically talked about the fact that it was hard on her family, everything that happened. She felt the Celtics organization made public a matter that was private. And so as a result, it's been really traumatic for her, for her child, for her children. And she said, if you're in the business of protecting women, I'm sorry, no one from the Celtics organization has even called to see if I'm okay, to see if my children are okay. It's very disappointing. Um, and let me tell you something. Let me just say this by like, I am team Nia, okay? Like when the story about Ime broke, I was like, because we don't play about Nia, right? It was all about Nia for me, if Nia was okay, you know? And I, of course, cared about the woman that may have been affected, but I was not concerned about Ime. And so um, I care, you know, about her just as a fan, as a Black woman, of, of what's happening and what's happening for her children. But I don't know in terms of her being upset with the Celtics organization, I'm not sure what she expected that they could have really done differently. I don't know either, but I know she's lawyered up. <laughs> so so she went and got a, 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 a lawyer who I believe uh, also worked with Gabrielle Union. I think it might be the same lawyer who worked with Gabrielle Union uh, for a lawsuit. I think it was with The Voice or something else like that. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know what kind of arrangements were made one way or another. I thought the way that the Celtics handled uh, Udoka and, and his eventual uh, sort of removal from the team, I've said on this show several times, I thought the whole thing was strange. I thought the whole thing was rather sloppy and, and poorly managed and handled one way or another. I don't know what they said they were going to do as far as, as her, 
But I can understand this perspective from Nia Long, limited understanding that I may have of the dynamics of their relationship. You didn't just fire this man. You leaked information about his personal behavior that splashed back on me. If you wanted to fire him, then fire him and say what the violation was. Don't spread rumors that then make me and my child and people associated with me responsible for, for holding the bag when it's over. And I think that's a fair criticism for her to have. Now, again, I don't know legally what she can do one way or another, but it's like, keep his nonsense out of my life. And the Celtics failed to do that. And I can understand her perspective on that. Yeah, do we know that they're the ones who actually leaked it though and that it came from them? I'm not sure. Is that something that we know or we're just speculating on that? Well, the story, so the initial statement was he's being suspended for a year for conduct unbecoming to the team. And then many sports analysts and sports journalists are like, okay, well, what is that? What What right. is so bad that you don't fire him, but you suspend him for a year? And then there were leaks that came out of the Celtics organization, but nobody on the record, and none of them were ever particularly conclusive. And now he's gone, and he's coaching the Nets. And again, I, I, from my understanding, I can understand Neil Long being like, look, you guys leaked information about basically an ongoing HR situation rather than just handling it in a clean way. And I don't like the fact that I was affected. She got stuff to do. She got Best Man Holiday coming out as a new Peacock series. She's got a life to live. She has a child to take care of. You know, she has a relationship that we don't know how that's being managed. It's not necessarily something for us to figure out one way or another. But when you are a public figure, you know, you, you, don't, you don't want mud being splashed on you whenever the truck goes by. And if they were going to take the dump truck and roll it over Ime Udoka, it shouldn't have splashed on her had they managed it better. Yeah, I don't know that I agree that. And, and this could just be my own bias as like a former practicing employment lawyer. I don't know that something of this magnitude um, and with who he is could have gotten out without there being some stuff that we're going to come back on her. So I definitely empathize with her, but I think some of it or a lot of it was probably unavoidable. Um, all right. So I heard there was a birthday party recently. <laughs> and a certain someone, a certain someone had a birthday party recently, and his teammates did not really show up in full support. That's what I heard. That's what the streets see. Was see saying. this. This is where I'm gonna push back. This is where I'm gonna push back on the shenanigans, nonsense, and fabrications that have been surrounding the Denver Broncos team. Let me just say this up front: this whole team is a mess. From top to bottom, they need to get rid of the coach. Russell Wilson needs to play better. They got I, I, sources that I know on the team say that a whole lot of these guys aren't necessarily as injured as they're playing. They're starting to, they call them the beach team, which is the team already preparing to go to the beach. This whole squad has fallen apart. And the way they have fallen apart, because this goes back to the birthday, is very similar to, say, the Cavaliers when LeBron came back. The Denver Broncos were a mediocre performing team for years that were suddenly thrust into Super Bowl, unrealistically, expectations because of one guy, and they can't handle the spotlight. They couldn't handle seven primetime games. Just like a lot of the Cavaliers players couldn't handle LeBron coming back and suddenly being told, hey, you're going to be on the NBA on TNT every Thursday. You need to step up. So there's a lot of problems with this team that need to be fixed. 
I do think the piling on of Russell Wilson has been petty and personal and ridiculous. And what I find fascinating is that you can have a squad where guys are saying that Russell Wilson has lost the locker room because he's cringe and he's nerdy, and he's goofy. And yet we got Deshaun Watson, who's about to start on Sunday and now haven't heard a peep about that organization. That speaks to a occasionally problematic culture that you have in the NFL, where if you're one of the guys, no matter how problematic your behavior is, they'll tolerate it. And lastly, I'll say this. If I'm a young single player, right? It's it's that's not deflection. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You there's 53 guys on a team, and and if half of them show up, that sounds good to me. If I'm a single 23 year old football player, why do I want to go to Russell Wilson's 34 year old birthday party with his wife and his kids and his Christian clean attitude? Ain't gonna be no party. Ain't gonna be no party I want to go to. The fact that half the team showed up, given all the bad things happening in that organization, that is a good sign. But the fact that the Broncos are three and eight and the biggest topic of discussion this week is not facing Lamar Jackson, but counting how many people showed up to somebody's junior high birthday party is indicative of the lack of control and lack of agency that the leadership of that team from top to bottom seems to have. Okay, Jason. <laughs> I'm just... All right, some words that I like to hear, but I need Dr. Jason to help break it down for me. So um, the governor of California, Governor Newsom, had a committee that was formed some time ago to look into reparations, paying reparations. Um, and they went out and they spoke to people and they gathered information and they've come back with this number of 223K that should be paid out for reparations. And so, one is this real in terms of like will like let me not even get to the number is it real in that like ultimately like the the people of california are going to receive reparations the black people or um is this just something like that's happening and nothing's gonna come of it and then also second part question the number how is this number like how did they come up with this should this be the number is this a real number Go ahead. I asked you I'm going to say this quick, Nat. It's, it's, it's progress in as much as they actually have a committee and they actually release the information publicly, right? A lot of politicians have said, oh, yeah, I believe in reparations, but then they don't want to do anything. They don't put no committees together. They don't release anything. So points and credit for putting committee together. I think reparations is a wonderful idea. I don't think it's ever going to happen in my lifetime or your lifetime. The closest we've ever seen to it is maybe watching that Watchmen series from a couple of years ago on HBO or that episode on Atlanta. That's the closest we'll ever get to reparations because the majority of America ain't going to pay us nothing. As for the actual dollar amount, that's laughable. It is laughable. $220,000 for every black person in the state of California. That's it? That's not even a life insurance policy. And if you're talking about the lives that have been lost to institutional racism, it's way too low. Yeah. It felt low, but I still would just like some people to get paid. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Call me a skeptic. I want to be paid more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Yeah. Jason, thank you for coming on today. Have a great weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.